I'm Megan Lawrence, and welcome to the Wild Leaders Podcast. Wild stands for Whole and Intentional Leader Development, and in this episode, you'll be listening to one of our Wild Conversations. Wild Conversations are interactive virtual experiences every Friday for one hour with leaders from around the country. It's no cost to join or attend, and you can sign up by visiting wildleaders.org backslash wildconversation. You can also listen on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please follow us and subscribe. Wild Conversations are led by our founder and CEO, Dr. Rob McKenna. Named one of the top 30 IO psychologists alive today, Dr. McKenna is passionate about developing leaders and transforming the way we see people in our organizations. As he will tell you, we have the tools at our fingertips to invest in our people in ways that are meaningful to them and will get the results we need. 30 years of research has taught us how much people learn and grow on the job. We have what it takes to create rich learning environments for the people we lead, and all we have to do is begin to act on what we know. Thanks for joining this wild conversation. This topic is within, within the flow of this series on uh, this executive series. And, and I think it's interesting, even as we thought about what this series would be about, because one of the questions we have is, so if you call it an executive series, do it, does it feel like it relates to people who don't see themselves as executives? And what is fascinating about when you do speak with someone who is in, in a, an executive role Sometimes you'll get people talking about very lofty kinds of things, um, you know what I mean, like organizational speak, because it's what they're responsible for. And so there is a reality that they're responsible for not just a group of people, but a lot of people and some people that they will never actually meet is one possibility. So they're having to think systemically about those, those organizations. What I also think is equally fascinating is this. Um, executives are people. Um, who have all the same things the rest of us have, they just tend, they happen to have a different kind of responsibility. And so when you speak to them, they, many of them, it kind of depends on who they are, will, they'll actually go from the organization level to the individual level and they'll dance back and forth. And so I think it's an itch, especially really related to this topic of connecting mission to execution. And um, it was interesting when we named this because, uh, you know, I have to define terms, have to do that. And, uh, and so I, I thought, started thinking about mission and execution, because if you just kind of throw these kinds of words out there, we initially think, well, this is going to naturally be about connecting the why to what we actually do. And from an executive standpoint, or a sort of a leader standpoint is responsible for a larger system, you're thinking about how do I connect that why to what we need to get done organizationally? And, and also, how does that connect to individuals and teams who are needing to execute on a path that gets us to where we're wanting to go. All right, so that's, I think that's a, at, the, at first pass, we think that. But now think about the word mission. Because when we think about the mission, the mission is what we're trying to accomplish. The mission does not actually typically define why. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, do this. We gotta get this done. We gotta find this person. <laughs> we gotta take this hill. Um, and the execution part is all the little steps that, that get us to take that hill, right? Whatever that hill is in our life. It's like, um, so you're with me in that, so kind of what this is about. So let me just tell you where my brain went as I, as I got into this. So I immediately thought of uh, an old friend of mine, and his name is Alex Schutman. And Alex has been a friend for many, many years, and he's now the CEO of an organization called Workfront. 
that some of you might be familiar with. And uh, when I first met Alex, he was a sales executive. And he had a, he had a vision that he, he showed me as I was starting to work with his leadership team that, that was a part of the fabric of everything that he was trying to do. And it was simply this, it was a two by two, getting it done, execution, and what he described is doing it right. Getting it done, doing it right. Now there's a lot of questions in that. Like, how do you get it done? And then also define for me, what does it mean to do it right? Because there's a whole lot of things like what do we, different people mean different things by that. But I thought it was compelling that he was driven by that. And that vision has, has come with him into every other executive role he's had and now into his CEO role, CEO role, I'm sorry. So he, so he came out of the commercial sales space of leading teams in that area and then, and then moving into being responsible for the whole organization and, and these different moves that he's made over his career. So he, so he starts there. But so Alex had this vision for his organization. So I went in and I, I thought, you know, I haven't talked to Alex for a bit. We've been texting a little bit, but I, I wanted to know um, kind of what's going on at Workfront regarding this. I knew he had written a book also about this. Alex, I'd just love for you to take a look at his book. He said this, I watched a video from a couple of years ago about Workfront. And he said this, he said, what they're looking to do is their hope is that working at Workfront will be a signature career event for employees. Okay. Some of you who know me know that I'm then asking the question, what's a signature career event? What does that mean? What do we mean by that? Because until we figure out what we mean by it, we won't execute on that. So he says that. And so I'm like, so then he says, here's some of the things that he goes on to describe. Three things that make that signature event happen for every employee. This is his belief. Understand your role, seeing the impact of what you do, and most importantly, having the opportunity to be proud of your work. Okay, understanding your role, seeing the impact of what you do, and most importantly, having the opportunity to be proud of your work. I love it. I was like, that's it's interesting. I'm compelled. You know, let's let's keep going. So, and I also know Alex know that he's taking in information from some smart people around him, and it was uh, it was interesting because as soon as I saw it, I said, oh, that's familiar. Where have I seen that before? Because I also know that Alex is surrounded by some IO psychologists, or have been, industrial organizational psychologists. This is the guild with, from which Daniel and I come. And I was like, that sounds really familiar. What is that from? So then I was like, so there is something I have. So some of you know, I was a professor for 25 years or whatever, a lot, a long time. That's a quarter of a century. And, uh, and from the very beginning, I had the responsibility for teaching sections to, to students. There's now hundreds and hundreds of students over the years. You know, you live long enough, you get to say that. And it was on motivation. And one of the key spaces you have to teach, whether you're teaching in the area of leadership, organizational behavior, human resources, is these, these fundamental things that we've learned over the years in terms of motivation. And one of the most studied uh, pieces in that motivational research is what's called the job characteristics model. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, this is going to blow your mind. Okay, so the job characteristics model, and it, listen to this. I told you what Alex's three things were, right? The job characteristics model was originally launched in the mid-1970s. And do you know, by the way, that we are closer to 2060 than to 1980 right now? That's just a side note. Anyway, um, uh, so in the 1970s, this was studied. It's one of the most studied models. These are the characteristics of a job that it, you're going to see directly linked to what Alex was talking about. Very senior executive, right? Talking about the fundamentals of the characteristics of jobs. So here they are. 
listen to this. And so some of, some of you are like, you've never thought about this before. I'm telling you, this is important stuff that we've known since the mid seventies. Okay, here we go. Hackman and Oldham. Like this is, you know, amazing. Skill variety, simply the extent to which the job involves a variety of different activities. Task identity, being responsible for a whole and identifiable piece of work. So being able to do kind of different things, but also being responsible for an identifiable and whole piece of work. So I know that. Task significance. The work is important and has substantial impact on the lives and work of other people. Got it? Task significance is number three. Autonomy. The degree to which the job provides substantial freedom, independence, and discretion to the individual. This should hit all of us. Anyone who's ever been responsible for other people is going like, have I helped create those things in the jobs that I've made? Number five, feedback. The work activities required by the job provide information back to the job holder about the effectiveness of his or her performance. I don't know about you, but as a, as a leader myself, I'm like, holy cow, that's a lot for me to ensure that is in place for every person who uh, works in my organization. But it's important. It's important to be consider, continuing to consider what those, those five things are. So you have those, right? And the, the feedback one, by the way, the, most, the, those, the example that's given most often is of sports coaches. Because, and I know we have some here, but you have, but sports coaches have one benefit. They have lots of benefits and some downsides, but one of the benefits is automatic feedback. There's a scoreboard in almost everything, every sport. So if you're Pete Carroll, you're looking up the scoreboard and you got feedback immediately on how is this going, <laughs> you know, as I'm trying to perform my job. Now it's interesting the, the job characteristics model. And again, this thing has been, it's so funny that they, we don't talk about it anymore. This is something that, that people who have built structured jobs in large corporations, they know you've got to do this. Like this is what they're trying to, they're aspiring to do and trying to structure. But we're talking about so many other things that we've forgotten. What does it mean to have a, a job where I feel satisfied, engaged in all that? This is, it's old news, but it's important news. Um, and here's what's also interesting. There, some, some people criticize this. Any of you are going into your critical brain. There are critiques of this. For example, in the 1970s, we had not begun to think about the interdependency of jobs. Like, what does this look like at the team level? But give those people a break. Because think about this. The 1970s was on the heels of the Industrial Revolution. And on the heels of Frederick Taylor's work in scientific management, who was, by the way, one of those beat up people in organizational behavior because he founded scientific management, trying to study and treat people like machines and how many steps it takes for me to get from this machine to that machine. Give him a break because at least someone was starting to think about efficiency. You know what I mean? Like at the time, at least that's what was beginning to think. Now, what was happening in that transition moment in the 70s, and I could tell you about all the variables that began to be studied through the 80s, 90s, and so on, is that there was beginning to be this connection between that robotic part of getting the job done and our humanity. It was coming. And, uh, and so that's where I'm, I'm going next. That's where I'm going next. So listen to this. Those five characteristics of a job they were, they were important because um, the idea was when these jobs have these characteristics that certain psychological states will emerge for human beings. Certain psych so what it means is people will think and feel differently if those characteristics are there. So listen to this. Number one, experience meaningfulness of the work performed. Number two, experience responsibility for work outcomes. 
And number three, have knowledge of the results of work performed. Are you with me? So it's like, I'll know, I'll have knowledge of the results. I'll be able to see, I'll, have resp I'll feel responsibility for the work outcomes and I'll feel some meaningfulness connected uh, to, that, to that work. I think what is interesting, now this is where I wanna, I wanna take our brains next, is, uh, and think about, think about this related to, to sort of, as we begin to think about Alex's vision of getting it done and doing it right. So I'm holding in my hands the, the, one of the wild tools. This is the transformational experiences audit. Some of you have used this tool as one of 10 steps in our whole, whole leader development process, okay? This is an audit. This is all McKenna's audit. Um, this is an audit of the experiences that have been most formative for me, the experiences that I'm, what I'm having now that's formative, and what I want next. Are you with me? And it's based on decades of research. There is so much research on the, the major taxonomy of experiences that are important in my development. This, is, this thing, though... This is more than a resume. This is the story of my learning. This is the story of those transformational experiences that have changed me. So now listen to this for just a second. This is where I, this is just an incredible, like a nuclear collision of stuff, okay? Um, okay, so on this side of, of your brain, hold this. We know skill variety, task identity, task significance, autonomy and feedback are important, all right? That's pretty mechanical, to be honest. And it's important mechanics. If we got those things in place, people would be more engaged. They'd be more satisfied. They would begin to perform better. So, so think about the jobs in your organization, especially like small to mid cap companies, like where maybe you haven't thought about that before. If you're in a nonprofit, like what would it mean if we were intentionally thinking about just trying to do these things would probably be a first step. But now, now watch this. This is like structure of the job. Pretty robotic and important, okay? It relates to the psychology. Now, let me read you three of the experiences that we know from research are transformational in a person's life, okay? I'm just gonna, I, I just, I just kind of randomly picked three. Number one, calling. You experienced a moment when you felt called to a specific or more general transcendent purpose, something beyond you. You felt summoned to do something way beyond you, okay? Think about that. Hold, this, hold the job characteristics over here, calling. Number two, leading alone. We're dealing with so many leaders who feel this right now in leading in a virtual context. Here's the definition of leading alone if I could find it, because it's somewhere here. <laughs> Where is it? Oh, here it is. Okay. Next page. About to throw all my notes. You were responsible for leading a group or organization without any other staff to support you. That's what it felt like. And then the last one I was going to tell you is becoming a manager. The moment that people become a manager, and I could also talk about changes in scope. I could talk about turning an organization around. All these experiences we know are important for people. Those experiences, and for those of you who use this tool, know what I'm talking about. There is your humanity in it. Because leading alone isn't just powerful because it's like this structural thing. It's because it affects our identity. It affects these skills that we learn. How do we inspire people? Or, or leading without authority is one of the other experiences. And so what I, what I think is so interesting is beginning to think about what whole, a whole perspective. When I, I know this, this connection to mission and execution is interesting. What I'm trying to suggest is, that execution matters. 
Job structures matter. But what is so awesome in culture right now is there's openness to our humanity alongside those structures. But it takes both. It takes both. And so you imagine to begin to think about not just structures of jobs and getting it done and executing, which matter, but you also start bringing about an invitation to bring someone's human experience of that job. That's where whole performance starts to get really interesting. And I think what will be interesting in the research is because it's one thing to imagine, am I motivated or not? By the way, our motivation is going to go like this. Hopefully, it's going to settle higher, you know, in longer seasons. But we're talking about something bigger than that. We're talking about what executives are interested in is how do I, how do I inspire people into something that's longer term, that sustains over time. And so what I was going to suggest as we, as we finish this up is the way that we would begin to intentionally think about structuring for execution and for satisfaction, but also inviting people's experiences and their whole story alongside that, that moment where they are actually getting it done. That's where something powerful happens with every organization that we're working with. And the last thing, and I have two things before we wrap. Number one, I I brought this up in the blog. Some of you have seen Silas. Uh, Megan's son joins us often. I don't know if he's here right now, but some of you have, uh, have seen, have seen Silas and it is, it's been an amazing thing. It's like something where, Megan is a master, by the way, at navigating sort of that whole space because she's, she's a mom. Silas is there. He's one years old. He's listening to Daniel and me and Claire way too much. Um, and so, you know, but it's been this amazing moment. But if you watch Silas, what is so powerful about him is that when we were children, there was this openness to learning. And you watch him on a screen and he's distracted and he's taking it all in. He's trying to figure out how this works. And he shows his frustration if, if Megan doesn't give him something that he wants in a moment. But then all of a sudden, I can learn from that too. And there's this wide openness. And that what we do as we grow older is sometimes we begin to so focus in on one thing and one task, which is important as adults, that we begin to sort of, we, we lose some of that openness sometimes in our efforts to focus. And what I'm suggesting is the possibility that we could actually do both that we could actually do both and that we could live. Uh, I'm not saying we all have to go to be back to being one year old. That's Silas's job right now is to take it all in. But then instead of walking around like adult infants where we're complete, where we're all over the place that we also would maintain some of that younger capacity while also getting it, keeping our, our, uh, and, and, it, and we set up structures for people where they could focus and where they could be engaged and they could see that. And so here are my final three things that I put in the blog. As, as sort of uh, as prompts for this conversation. I said this, like one thing I would suggest is that we wire for execution. For some of you, take those skill, those job characteristics and say, how can I wire those into jobs more effectively? Scaffold for learning. Cre- create systematic pathways for seeing employees and understanding their experience and lessons they're learning and inviting them forward with those things. And then third thing is building on purpose. Building on purpose, something that would more deeply sustain us for the long haul. Thanks for joining this wild conversation. If you'd like to learn more about wild leaders, visit us at wildleaders.org. If you want to purchase the wild toolkit, visit wildtoolkit.com. If you'd like to join the interactive live recording with other leaders, sign up at wildleaders.org backslash wild conversation. I'm Megan Lawrence. Have a great day.